This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Breaking news. I think, I didn't really expect this, but I hoped for it, and it happened. Trump is commuting the sentence of Rod Blagojevich. Is that the owner of a football team? Or former He's owner? doing three pardons or commutations. The San Francisco 49ers owner went to jail for something absolutely outrageous. He was extorted by the governor of Louisiana to the tune of $400,000 to get a casino license. And he went to jail for it. He was trying to be a law-abiding citizen to get a license from the government that controls industry for no legitimate reason. He was extorted, and he failed to report being extorted. He just was like, all right, this is how you get a casino license. Fine. And he went to jail for it. So he commuted that or pardoned him. I'm not sure. He did not pardon Blagojevich, but he commuted. Blagojevich has been in jail for eight years for, quote, trying to sell Obama's Senate seat. But... His, the first time he was like there was a hung jury or whatever, and they tried him again, and he claimed there was all sorts of funny business, jury tampering, and all that. And and it, the sentence was absolutely outrageous. What did he allegedly be, do? Sell Obama's Senate? So this is what happened. Obama vacated his U.S. Senate seat out of Illinois in order to become president. And the governor had the right to appoint somebody to that position. That is powerful. It's like what Kemp did with the totally person, a person without qualifications to be Senate in Kelly Loeffler. Loeffler, thank you. Then, so what Blagojevich was caught on tape saying, they'd been bugging his phone for a while, I guess, or started to bug it then in order to screw him over, was, oh, Axelrod and Obama, I think it was, are trying to tell me who to put in this Senate seat and they're not going to give me something for the effort. Are you kidding? Everybody knows how it works. That's ridiculous. They do not get to call the shots on this. They want that. They got to get, they got to give me something. And other stuff, I've listened to other of his taped recordings and he actually, I mean, that seemed a little bit like he was driven to the end of his rope. But I think his father-in-law was super corrupt. I don't know. There was a lot of other stuff that came up on those calls. But the first jury would not convict him. And then I think he was charged with like 23 things and maybe, I don't, I can't, I can't out of memory remember. But anyway, he did go to jail for, he's been in jail for eight years. His hair went from jet black to snow white. I've never seen a transformation like that. He had four more years. And I've been saying ever since, the Roger Stone thing that Blagojevich should not be in jail. He's been in jail for too long and now he is out and they, and, but the third person on this pardon list was the police commissioner from New York on nine 11 went to jail for taking some bribe or tax fraud or whatever, or like taking a loan from, I don't know if it was an Israeli guy. I don't know, but these are all, you know, Giuliani and Trump were big shots in New York during nine 11. So I, I don't know what that guy's story is. I can't remember, but I just tweeted about it. And then Danny tweeted me back that an associate of this guy, Carrick, this police commissioner, uh, a guy by the name of Larry Ray was recently arrested in a connection with a cult he led at Sarah Lawrence college. And I was just about to investigate it to see if it had anything to do with Nexium or any of that stuff. 
But there might be something deep and interesting going on here. I don't know about the carrot guy. The 49ers thing seems on the up and up. I totally think Blagojevich should be done. And if Trump would only free Ross Ulbricht, then I would actually, I would, unless it was a real dereliction of my duty, I would, I was about to say, I would never criticize Trump again if he freed Ross Ulbricht. Tell us again what Ross did, what he's... Ross Ulbricht was the guy who had the new Silk Road. He he just had a completely off-the-grid... I don't know if you call it like a website or platform or what. I don't I don't know, but it was like it was outside of the realm of any kind of regulation and somebody or multiple people were selling drugs over it because it was a totally uncensored, unregulated form of internet commerce. I guess you'd call it the dark web, whatever. And somebody died from doing some of the drugs allegedly so- sold on his new Silk Road. And When he went to trial, this is a guy who had nothing to do with it. He just built a platform that was free. He was a libertarian, like an unregulated platform. And the DEA agents or whatever the government agents were, a couple of them actually were convicted and went to jail for, I think, six years for malfeasance in his case as they were investigating against him or whatever, set him up. But that information that the government actors who built the case against him went to jail for malfeasance in building that case was not permitted to be heard by the jury. So Ross Alberts was railroaded and it was known and he was not allowed to tell that to the jury. And it was a tough case. And I think they put him in jail for like murder because a person supposedly died of drugs, supposedly sold on his thing, but there's no way to really know what the truth is because there was so much malfeasance in the investigation and he's in jail forever. You and to, his mother like moved to where the prison was and they moved him to a different prison. You ought to tweet it, Trump. Tell, tell him what uh, you Oh, well, said. I tweeted it and free Ross Ulbricht's tweeted it, retweeted it, but, uh, get a campaign yeah, going. That's yeah. what Kim Kardashian has done to help. I can't remember who it was that she's helped get out, but, but, but given we don't exactly have the platform Kim Kardashian does. Well, that's what I was thinking about to actually change the subject, that you sent me that crazy video of the woman in China who is hysterical about coronavirus oh, yeah. and call, calling for policy changes, and she had hundreds of thousands of hits. I'm like, how did that get out? How did it go viral? How did it, you know, I mean, what what the heck? Like, you, it's not easy to get 250,000 views overnight, basically. It's a video of a woman, allegedly, from China, who is speaking out against the government, saying that they don't care about the people, that they have this horrible communist government, they're oppressing everybody. And you have to read the subtitles. I, I don't speak Chinese. Right, I'm just exactly. Trusting the That's subtitles. another thing. But right. it gets increasingly intense. Towards the end of the video, she's shaken up, she's crying, she's yeah. almost screaming at the camera. And yeah. that's just one of a few examples of videos that have, quote-unquote, leaked out of China. But something's going on in the world where people who are the oppressed, so to speak, are able to communicate with other oppressed people around the world in an instant. And <laughs> videos from these countries that have walls up, digital walls right. up, are getting out. And that is letting other oppressed people around the world know that they're not alone. So we have this rise of totalitarianism on the one hand, especially with the virus spreading and the methods of controlling it are being mirrored around the world to a lesser extent to what China's doing. And on the other hand, we have 
this protest action that is speaking to each other through social media and through the Internet. So it's these clashing forces that are both emerging throughout the world. Well, I'll take it from someone who is de-platformed for putting a question mark next to a picture. I find it very hard to believe that this stuff <laughs> is not curated in advance. And perhaps it's the the Thousand Flowers or or whatever that was called where they they use that to me because I immediately thought I was like, wow, you can get your word out from China. That's it's, amazing. Yeah. I I hope I didn't think this because I don't believe any of it, but I hope, you know, a billion other people will get their speak their truth and and float it on a lantern up through the internet to get out of China. You know, like how I, I, they a lot of people could go down if they think that this is a realistic possibility. It's interesting get their that, message out. That very she well even says she thinks she's going to die. Yeah, for that doing this. would to me that seemed like a PR stunt to me and a coordinate with somebody who is opposing the Chinese government. Right, agreed. Worked with this person to put this out. I don't know who or how, but it is interesting with the dynamic going on in America right now because we have this Bernie Sanders, who is a communist. Bernie Sanders is a communist. He's a lifelong communist who just in the truest sense name. of the word, which is true communism, which is a facade. Yeah, what well, you know, they claim to believe in socialist principles, but they're really into power at the top. <laughs> for crying out loud, when he was mayor of was it? Somewhere in Vermont, I can't remember, Bloomingburg. Burlington, yeah, Burlington. Burlington, Vermont. He named the town softball team the People's Republic of Burlington. The guy <laughs> has a history. He, he followed these communist exiles up to Vermont. That's how he ended up in Vermont. He's a lifelong communist. And so we have this communist. And then on the other hand, Trump is framed as a Nazi by the left, by progressives. So we have the communism versus Nazi meme rising. Then we have China, this this fight with the tech company in China and then now 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 the Huawei the tech company and now the virus and now the evil communist chinese government so these themes of communism and nazism are not just here they're emerging that that battle is emerging around the world again when i maybe 8 years ago when i started really crack, really cracking the code on stuff and reading up and i thought of okay the 20th century dialectic was communism versus fascism and what we got that was truly a dialectic and what we got was social democracy. Now, it could be a trialectic and you could include capitalism there and call it a mixed economy, but whatever, you see what it was. It's communism, capitalism, fascism, and then we got this blended economy everywhere. And I looked at the 21st and I was like, what is the 21st century dialectic? What is it? And I identified Samuel Huntington and um, Bernard Lewis and a couple of other guys as setting it up to be religious. So the war on Islam, maybe between Christianity and Islam or something like that, and that the nexus would have to be a, a legislated morality so that they were going towards, and, and actually Sandy Hook had like um, in Newtown, the world, like the world religion had a headquarters there and like in Tel Aviv, like this world religion movement. And they they also had a headquarters of like trauma study, community trauma experimentation. It's very weird. I think, you know, did it Sarah Smallstorm? I think her name is like, I don't know what her story is, but she did an amazing 
expose of that, whether it was limited hangout, I don't know. But anyway, I'm totally digressing. I can't believe but you I, said those words, Sandy. Sorry. Hook. Just don't put it in the headline. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I know I say that. Sorry. You can bleep it. Just bleep it out. Start bleeping Sandy Hook. That's hilarious. Bleep that. Yes, yes. Absolutely bleep. People will figure it out. It's genius. I love it. It could, You could start it and it would be a great way to undermine the censors and make fun of them at the same time. Yeah. I like it. Anyway, I'm going on too long, but the, the, the 21st century dialectic seemed to me that it was going to be like religion and then you would have to have certain legislated morality like anti-hate or whatever, whatever it is. But I really feel like that just didn't, it didn't take off. They just, it wasn't a good enough dialectic. It just wasn't really penetrating all, all avenues of society. So they just fell back on the same old, same old, which worked so well. But I think it's totally empty because we're all social Democrats. All the Republicans are, I'm not, but like the Republican politicians are, the Democrat politicians are, every Western country basically is and was meant to be. Well, tell me this. I have a question for you. What is the libertarian position, would you say, in your opinion, on bringing back people who have been exposed or potentially exposed to the coronavirus? You know, we brought those people in from the ship mm-hmm. yesterday, and they were infected. This is happening in other countries. I'm curious. Uh, as yeah, what, it's an what, interesting question. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you. The big problem, in my opinion, is I was talking about this last night on a podcast I did, Morning Drive with Dave. I'll tell people how to find that tomorrow. What they did. So if you don't have strict private property rights, If you could, in your community, on your property and in your bar, say, I don't want anyone who's been to China recently coming into my community. If you could have a private school that said, hey, we screen people. This school is in the middle of all our property. So you would have, if you had a free society, private self-interest would erect the defenses against everything like that. Now, what do you do now when you have where you cannot restrict people's movement? The government requires, they have public roads and everything, they require you to to allow anyone to do anything. You can't look at someone and say, oh, you're Chinese. You know, that that is, it's totally rude. I don't approve of it. But what if you wanted to just do that? You're not allowed. And then because they don't allow you to restrict any movement, you don't even have those defenses up that you might have. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what should happen now? Right? I think... It's a tough question. Well, and then you could take it one step further and say that you don't really have a right to breathe germs into somebody else's space. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it comes back to what you talk about a lot. It comes back to the individual personal responsibility of if you are infected with something, doing what you need to do to get better and being having the the mindfulness to not infect other people with it. Right. So whether your system is a voluntary system with private defense or a public system with government defense, you it is a crime in every sense of the word, for you to knowingly harm somebody else Mm -hmm. 
to go and cough on them on purpose or expose them to what you know to be a bad thing. I mean, I'm kind of a fan of tort law of like the fact that if you intentionally harm somebody or even unintentionally, there are consequences and that, that operates, whether you have that can operate like in a tribal situation and voluntary, you know, this guy made your pig sick. You owe him two pigs. You could do it that way. And then, if you think of it that way, you have extreme disincentive to misbehave because there are consequences. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry to have to go through like the thought no, process. No, that's okay. I just the question on you. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's okay. But I think that those are the things that, that would happen. There are real consequences. You have moral responsibility. People uh, erect defenses and and you can control your own private property. I think all of those things in a private society are in place, whereas in our society where we legally enforce public spaces and even tell you you have to have a post road up to your house, you can't not have access to. The government is demands it has access to your house. Yeah. On that note, there's an interesting – there's a couple interesting coronavirus stories in the news. Every day there's something new and interesting and strange about the coronavirus. We talked yesterday a little bit about there was one of the ships, not the Diamond Princess, not the one with all the people that are infected, like 100 more every day test positive on that ship. It yeah, was, the, the Westerdam? Yes, the Westerdam. The Westerdam was floating in the ocean because no country would accept them at their port, yet – no one had shown any signs of the virus, and we talked about it briefly where it's like, you know, as soon as this thing ports, someone's going to test positive, and that's exactly what happened. It ported at Cambodia yesterday, and one person ended up testing positive. Yesterday? That was met, yesterday? Not yesterday. It was a few days ago. Oh, I was going to say, because yeah. there's like an 83-year-old woman I read right. about yeah. in Cambodia. So Cambodia welcomed this ship on, and now there was an article in the news today kind of shaming the Cambodian president because what him and his staff did, and even the American ambassador to Cambodia who brought his family along as well, is they embraced the people that came off. And I mean embraced as in shake hands and hug. And they had their arm, they had their guards order the people on the ship to take their mask off because nobody showed signs of, a, of the virus. Not that the mask would have stopped them anyway. If you're wearing a face mask and you think you don't have the disease and the people coming to help you are wearing hazmats and won't touch you, might as well go ahead and take the face mask off at Where, that Was point. anyone wearing a hazmat? As were no, the Cambodians? in that situation no. they weren't. And everywhere else they are wearing the hazmat. They went in, they hugged them, they embraced them, they ordered them to take the mask off, and then afterwards someone ended up testing positive. And now this article was asking if Cambodia and the, its president – has put the world in jeopardy by allowing this disease to come ravish its country, potentially. It's so they're setting up a legacy of incompetence, unpreparedness, bad decision making, exactly like they talked about in Event 201. Which if they did a simulation exercise to be prepared for it, shouldn't they be better prepared for it instead of making all the mistakes? What it was for. No, I think what it was for, even if you say they didn't they didn't somehow make this go live, what Event 201 was for was to make all this stuff up, make a scenario that was carefully tailored to yield a logical thought process to get to the seven action items they had already wanted. 
So those seven action items about uh, uh, fund flows, liabilities and regulations being suspended for vaccines, suppression of the Internet, all seven of those could have nothing to do with the pandemic and still be part of the World Economic Forum agenda, for sure. And it does what the World Economic Forum wants to do, which is brings together private, public, civil society, all that stuff. And so... So they had that preconceived thing. They weren't re- they what they all they want to do is prove that their action items, if they had been implemented, would have stopped all this. And they are proving that these action items have not been implemented, and they need to be by triggering all this stuff. And I, I don't even think it's I, I don't I don't know how the hell this is going on. The George Gao, their C, the Chinese CDC head, was part of Event Two Hundred One, and he's still a talking head when it comes to what's happening in China. I mean, they are yes. in on it. There was a report released yesterday by the Chinese Center for Disease Control, who were involved in Event Two Hundred One. Absolutely, and of that- like only fifteen people were of the caliber of this guy, George Gao. It was a roundtable of 15 people, and he was one of them in the Event 201 exercise. The report that they released yesterday is a headline on a lot of a lot of sites right now because the report determined that the coronavirus, because this has been a question that we've talked about and others have talked about, they say the coronavirus is deadlier than the flu virus because it has a 2.3% mortality rate, whereas the flu virus has a 0.1% mortality rate. Again, this is from the Chinese Center for Disease Control. I was listening to some of that, and that that is a a very – I was listening to the BBC on that this morning. That is a misleading statistic because – they didn't say that, but I'm telling you. Yeah. I pieced together what they were saying. How to lie with statistics. Exactly, which is that prolonged exposure and – vulnerable communities have a higher rate. Yes. So to say the general worldwide population versus this incubator, I do have some numbers that I think are illuminating when you're I think you're it's writing. like 85% of the people on the, the ship, the Diamond Princess, that have been infected are like over 75 who've been infected. Also, they I was reading in the journal today, it said the majority of the cases of death or infection outside of China are on that ship. And then the question is, did Japan do the wrong thing by creating a floating human Petri dish? Which they're studying and did learning they do and the their wrong, social right. experiment from. So Cambodia did the wrong thing. Japan did the wrong thing. The U.S. did the wrong thing. Also in the journal today, talking about a story, obviously, we covered yesterday about that the U.S. at the last minute let 14 infected people yep. jump in on the evacuation effort. What could possibly go wrong? Well, another thing that Japan is doing on top of that is they have this outbreak, this scare to where they have a ship anchored on its shore. They're not letting people come in the country, yet this coming week, they're still doing their annual naked festival. where People come nude, and I don't know what they do, but that's not really a good way to take your mind off the coronavirus is go to a nude festival. Because hazmat suits and face masks aren't going to be allowed in this setting, I'm I'm sorry, I can't. I don't think I can go on. <laughs> Picturing what a nude festival is in Japan. Well, the entire country of Japan. Like, don't they have like the greatest number of nonagenarians or whatever? You know, it's the old guys who show up for the naked there. festival. Yeah. 
Well, I did look into some. That is very true, by the way. I went to Key West stat. one time. I went to the nude bars. I was in college. I was excited. And the only nude people. Everybody looked like Bernie Sanders. They looked worse than Bernie Sanders. Everybody, everybody looked like truck drivers. Turn to the left, turn to the right, surrounded by nude truck drivers. So everyone just sitting around naked with their MAGA hats on? Yeah, I felt bad because I wasn't naked. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, I have to just, not to bring it down, but I want to give you some numbers. I hesitate to call them statistics. Can I give you some numbers? Give me some. All right. So in the latest count, there's 70,000 cases of coronavirus in China and 1,860 deaths, 1,860 deaths. Now, recall, they changed the diagnostic measure to a clinical diagnosis rather than a lab diagnosis. And I did a little time truncated search. So nothing recent, only old about pneumonia. And it ends up because clinical diagnosis is so wildly inaccurate that it always does what is a type two error, which includes things that don't belong in the group as opposed to a type one error, which would be to do the lab test. It would exclude some cases of real coronavirus. So, I said, okay, so let's see what what the likelihood that it's coronavirus or not. I looked it up, and China doesn't actually have, like, a huge rate of pneumonia deaths compared to the rest of the world. It's like two or three million people a year die of pneumonia in the world. In China, 10,000 people a month die of pneumonia. Anyway. Yeah. So unless 12,000 people are dying a month, I mean, and they don't even know. How do they... The, the idea that there is anything but error in that number. It's like the... And it's, and it's much lower than just whatever causing it. Yeah, it's, it's like the hurricane death statistics. If a hurricane hits an island, then the 20, 90-year-olds who were on their last leg anyway, about to turn the machine off, their deaths get recorded as a, as, as a result of the hurricane as opposed right. to they were about to die. Or like they get evacuated and they forget their right. oxygen. You know, that totally, that does happen. And and it's like that iatrogenic, iatrogenic disease where a lot, it's totally underreported, but a lot of disease is caused by the medical system. Yeah. Something inter- not interesting, but the coronavirus, you can now have a, you know how they have the Santa tracker on Christmas Eve? You can watch Santa go around yeah, yeah. the world with your <laughs> There is not a coronavirus There's a tracker. coronavirus tracker. You can watch it ravage the planet while getting ravaged by the coronavirus. Follow wow. it on CNN. They're not the only ones. Like every website says, like, live, find the, the corona tracker. So do you think tracker. they play that on the TV in the sick ward so all the little kids can watch? See if it's coming. <laughs> if it's creeping around in your part of the planet. Do you think they use, like, as a mock-up, the little plush coronavirus toy that Johns Hopkins gave out to everybody at Event 201? I hope they have that mascot to come in to hospitals and lecture that people like about washing their hands so you don't catch the coronavirus. I had a couple of other quick hits. Do we have time about the coronavirus? We can go a little extra because we, we did some philosophizing towards the beginning. Yes. I think, sorry so about that. And no, you caught sorry. me off guard. I know, so I, I had you, to like yeah. start thinking a little deeper than we normally go. So Apple, this was the headline above the fold. Apple has 
said that their projections, their revenue projections are going to be down. They're not going to restate what their projections are because there's so much variability over coronavirus. It's reducing both supply of phones coming out of China and demand for phones within China. I don't know why demand for phones would be down. I guess people can't get to the phone store. I don't know. He was in the Apple guy in a hazmat suit making deliveries. Well, that's what Event 201 wants. Remember, one of their action items was to not interrupt trade and travel to put workers, get them used to hazmat uniforms. Wow. Yeah, like people at docks and in factories and stuff. Yes, you're kidding. But puffy coronavirus, little the stuffy coronavirus is... Wagging its finger at you. That's not nothing to joke at. We need hazmat uniforms in factories. He should be the Jobels. The coronavirus mascot should be the Jobels of China. Goebbels? Pre- like the German guy? Yeah, the Goebbels. The I always remember that because it sounds like garbles. Right. Yeah, they have him on TV telling everybody what they can and what oh, they yeah. can't do. Yeah, and he's probably like a spy. Everybody gets a plush coronavirus, but right. it actually has eyes that follow you <laughs> yeah. around the room. And they're yeah. like every kid's like stuffy thing. It's like straight out of a black mirror. <laughs> like every, and then at a certain point, it like puffs a little coronavirus in case you didn't get it. So the uh, director of a medical center there is the seventh health related illness, uh, health related healthcare worker death. So that's making a big. Whatever people are panic buying toilet paper and stuff like you said, and they continue to talk about the death of the original whistleblower, sparking outcry and civil unrest. Which is, of course, I mean, I I don't know if that's a verifiable story. It's such a ridiculous, hard to believe story that the thirty something year old healthy doctor who immediately identified this pretty harmless coronavirus as being potentially the biggest thing since moldy bread was suppressed by China and then died of the virus. It's just a, it's just a weird story. And I don't really this, believe yeah. and it's serving the purpose of pissing people off, yep. which event 201 also requires. Right. And this doctor too was a prominent figure in fighting the virus. So two of the seven that died that have died, I don't know who the others are, have been prominent figures in fighting against the virus. And only seven out of 1700 of people who've been infected healthcare workers have died. And both of these two were younger. Most of the people dying are older. One of them was 34. The, this other doctor who just died was 51. So that's interesting that those two – I'm interested who the other five are that have died and what their role in fighting against the disease The statistics for people in that age group, certainly under 50 – between like five years old and 50 years old or whatever, like a young adult – very, very, very low possibility yeah. of dying of pneumonia. I do very low. Ho- I, I, I hope this does not happen, but I have started to hear the talking point about one group that seems to be almost immune to the coronavirus is babies, obviously because it's older people that are mostly affected. I'm worried that a younger person might get infected oh, to spread that fear around. That's more. really weird because I did do the stats here. And of the 2.6 million people who died of pneumonia worldwide in 2017, 860,000 of them were under five years old. It's actually quite a heavy mortality demographic. Interesting. So it's extremely unusual for it not to be affecting children. It's almost impossible to believe. I have to say, going back to the protesting in Hong Kong, especially they're protesting outside these virus clinics. They're anti-virus clinic protesters. If you don't want to catch a disease, that's what they call them. I mean, that's a little specific. If you don't want to catch a disease, 
I wouldn't go protest right outside the clinic where all the disease is being brought. That's crazy because the BBC report, I didn't put this together, but the BBC report I was listening to and just telling you about about that 2.6 number of uh, like fatality rates, he said a big problem is that people are waiting online, in line is what y'all say, I'm a New Yorker, right. waiting <laughs> in line at the clinics and they're just like hyper infecting each other. And they're getting sicker standing there. So just stay home. There's nothing anyone can do for you if you have a virus. Like they're saying there is. But just stay well. You know, wash your hands. Don't go to where all the sick people are. And wash your hands with a little soap and a little bit of time. Don't just throw your hands under the water. 20 seconds. Sing happy birthday to yourself, apparently. Sing happy birthday to yourself. Mary had a little Amazon, a little 20-second Metallica, whatever floats your boat, whatever you want to sing. (laughs) Another interesting story that isn't getting that much news, but it's getting a little bit, is that an official, a top health official for the National Institute of Health, acknowledged today that the quarantine on the Diamond Princess was a disaster. He said, as it turned out, that was a very ineffective method in preventing the spread on that ship. The quarantine process failed. I'd like to sugarcoat it and try to be diplomatic about it, but it failed. People were getting infected on that ship. Something went awry in the process of the quarantining on that ship. I don't know what it was, but a lot of people got infected. So they're now openly Where was saying, that article? This article was— Does it happen to say? I saw it on CNN, but they were Right, okay. So else. it's a real mainstream yeah. thing. Yeah, I, that is totally consistent with this. Here's what I'm worried about. Event 201 has like an explosion of cases six months in. Yeah, they say that it looks like it's going to die down in Event 201. That's exactly what Event 201 said. No, I know. I'm saying that, but the reporting also did that. Well, it looks like it's dying down. Oh, no, we have a new reporting method, a new recording method on how we determine who has the disease. Now it's exploding again. It really is following that Event 201 line pretty accurately. And I'll say it again. In 2015, we created a coronavirus that can jump. We engineered it so that it would jump from a bat to a human, and we made it more deadly, and we made it more easy to transmit. Now, they do that. It's called gain-of-function research. Every country does this. Every country makes diseases that they anticipate would exist or that exist in one form, and they see how bad they can make it. They say they do it so they can fight against it in case it does actually morph into becoming that bad and get worse. It's not a dumb question to say, was it made? It probably was. But this is the thing about anti-conspiracy theory propaganda is that they will take legitimate conspiracy theories and promote them to crack down on conspiracy theories. They don't care if the theory is right or wrong, but I would say the reason that you actually have access to that information is to promote the conspiracy theory. They want you to have it. And if they had to actually do it to get people to think they did it, I don't, that, I wouldn't flowers it campaign them. again. Another example yeah, of the hundred flowers. You draw people out. Yeah, but I think it's, the- it's, but it's not just trying to suppress individuals who promote it. It's to have a, a paradigm shift. That's what the guy called for. I think he was the Henry Schein guy and the event to a one Roundtable. He said the time for social media companies to act like platforms instead of broadcasters is over. That that time has passed. So that's a paradigm shift yeah. that he's calling for, and that's a, a wholesale change in the industry, not just isolating individuals. So should I tell people that uh, I do this, and we have to do this together too? 
Clint Powell during the break podcast out of Tennessee. So he's got a cute little accent. He <laughs> invites me on and he's super conservative. So a lot of his and, and his supporters are get mad at me because they think I'm a Trump hater. So they always kind of put the screws to me to make sure that I'm, you know, defending myself for defending the Bill of Rights. It's kind of fun. Anyway, so it's a video on Facebook. My station is Monica Perez Show and his is during the break. So we'll have to, you and I, I think, Binkley should launch an official propaganda report YouTube channel with maybe we'll have Clint orchestrate a celebratory day one because he's got some nifty live video tools. I know. I've seen it. It's fantastic. Check it out. A couple final more things. Bloomberg's going to be in the debate. He's second right now. Is is it Nevada that he's second in? I think it's – is it Nevada? It must be Nevada, yeah. Well, he's going to be in the debate tomorrow, and you know. Wow, won. that'll be interesting. He's I really think so. All yeah, I can- just want to see because he's got such a terrible delivery. His voice is terrible. He's hard to listen to. But you know who else's voice was hard to listen to at first? Stacey Abrams. Donald Trump. Really? Donald Trump's got that brashness, that New York type stuff that can be aggressive to some people. Bloomberg, again, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very you, similar you in the way he approaches yeah. things as Trump, and we're getting. What is going to be, even though people say, I know a lot of people say Trump's not a billionaire, uh, uh, which is fine, but still. It's, I say that I know. because. But the reporting is going to be billionaire versus billionaire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two white billionaires battling for the presidency. Failed democracy. Stacey yes. Abrams was on The View yesterday, said her number. Well, first of all, she was asked about vice presidency right out of the out of the gate. And she said, of course, she would love it. Of course, she would love to be vice president. But she reflected back on our comments about you don't run for second place. And then she went on to say, talk even more aggressively about how she absolutely wants to be president. I mean, she made that perfectly clear. She wants to be president and she will be president one day. And then she said, my job right now is to fix our democracy, to protect our democracy through fair fight, making sure everybody gets their vote counted. And we know that's not going to happen. We know all the votes aren't going to get counted. We know Trump's going to win again. And we know Stacey Abrams is going to come out and say, we haven't fixed democracy yet. We had these two white billionaires running. All the votes didn't get counted. Let's take to the streets. Maybe she'll weaponize the coronavirus. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't mean to do that. Her tweet was so crazy that said, you don't, you have to trust who's counting the votes on the Iowa caucus. I mean, that was a keeper of a tweet. Yeah. Weird. But I agree with you. She is going to, she, if she were on the ticket, then she would really have the standing to grind that axe. I but she's it, yeah, like yeah. a pariah. Like every, every race she gets to be a part of turns out to be hopelessly corrupt. Imagine that. I wonder what the common factor is there. Agenda. I found it interesting that they had Stacey Abrams on as their guest on President's Day yesterday. Yep. Share the show Tuesday. Oh, yes. Share the show Tuesday. So share it on your social media. Give us some props. We do the same. Also, pick somebody you think would really like to hear a fresh perspective on the news of the day. Maybe somebody who's just hungry for it or somebody who's given up on the news altogether. Just just 
be that person who brings another listener onto the Drive Time News Blast. And if they're on Twitter and you're on Twitter, then include us in a tweet at them, at Monica Perez Show and at Freedom Act Radio, and we can get to know them as well. Oh, yeah, we answer every single tweet, if, if I'm not mistaken. Monica's probably more active on there than I am, but <laughs> I, I, I am I, active sometimes as I well. stay up so much later than my husband, <laughs> and I have to just I tweet for hours in the middle of the night. <laughs> I do. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Keep those hands clean, guys.